0: They should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come back and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man rather than the other who went home justified before God, for all of those who exalt themselves will be humbled, And those who humble themselves will be exalted. The word of the Lord. Uh, Let me pray one more time. God, we we come before you. um, We are here. And if you would just take a moment again to close your eyes and pray. um, Maybe just a simple acknowledgement um, saying, God, here I am or here I am, God. Would you come, Holy Spirit, to us? Come speak to us. God, I thank you for this city. I thank you for all of it. All of that is made up of this city for its (laughs) so much complexities, the pursuit of justice, the injustice, the broken parts, the redemptive parts. I thank you for even, even in all of its pleasure seeking and fame seeking, money seeking. What we are really seeking is you, God. Our hearts are restless until we find our rest in you. So may we find rest in you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I mean, you guys can have a seat. Um, Today, I want to talk to you about prayer and talk to you about uh, the problem of prayer and the mystery of prayer on both ends. And um, we're going to look at these two parables that Jesus told, this one of this persistent widow and who prayed to this, who who went up to this unjust judge who bothered him persistently begged for justice and jesus says i'm not really like this unjust judge but if he will like give her what is due to her i how much more will i grant justice to those who've experienced injustice and then secondly we see a parable about um about how we we approach god when we pray we see this um pharisee uh, who prays? God, I thank you. I'm not like all these other people. Um, and then we see this, uh, uh, you know, th- this man who's a tax collector, just come in humility. So, um, before I get into it, uh, I want to just say that. Um, sorry, I'm a little distracted with all the 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 <laughs> the, the what does that call it? I can't even talk today. Silverware. Um, so while that's going on, I'm going to punt a little bit and do this. Let's do something a little different. Actually, it's kind of part of my notes, but I think I'm going to have us dive a little deeper and do something a little different today. I want you to think about the challenges and problem of prayer. For me, uh, it came up yesterday, a horrible thing happened, crazy. I was pulling in, me and my son were pulling into park, in a, down a one-way, and ahead of me comes a car Flying 70 miles an hour, hits several cars, ping pongs around, and hits one car all the way up against the house almost. Hits seven cars. No one was hurt. I run over there. I was the only one who saw it. All the neighbors come flying out. And this guy, he's, he's older. I don't know if he had like a, a heart attack and his wife like grabbed the wheel or what. Um, but everyone was okay. Eight cars involved total. From him going, flying down the road on the one way. I don't know if his foot fell on the gas. I don't know what happened, but I'm thankful everybody's okay. But I just remember leaving there going like, my God, like, I'm so thankful. Like, we could have been in that wreck. Like, we could have, if we were only 100 feet off, like, we would have been, could have been killed. You know, and I think about that. And then I also think about, like, what if that guy spent an hour in prayer before that day, right? Like I think about, if you read testimonies of people that experienced 9-11 or family members, you have these stories of like, man, I just left the building. Like I left the building 15 minutes before it blew up. And then you have others who are like, yeah, my husband, he, you know, wasn't supposed to be there and he was there and died. And so I think about that and think about the problem of prayer. Like nothing brings out the problem of being a human as much as prayer. Um so i want i want I want you to kind of think about this question what's the most confusing thing about prayer to you? and I want you to talk about it uh, with a neighbor um, for two or three minutes. What is the most difficult thing about prayer for you? I want you to it's important that we name some things and name some things that keep us from prayer so just say what comes to mind please don't be super spiritual like oh, man, the thing that confuses me most about prayer is God answers all my prayers. I don't understand. I don't understand why he does that. Like, don't do that. Like, what is most, honestly, like, you're not going to cause someone to doubt their faith. Like, don't worry about all that. What is, like, the most confusing thing about you to prayer? And just answer it, honestly, what what confuses you. Now, introverts, you're going to be tempted to be like, can I just take out my phone? Can I run and hide? You know, please, God, protect us from evil um so skepticism is welcome cynicism not so much turn to your neighbor right now and say what is the most confusing thing about prayer to you all right so go two two minutes uh, what, let's just have a we're small enough to have some some talk back this morning what Where's some maybe give your friend the look like can i share what you said or whatever you need to do or share what you said what what came up what came up for you just distraction. Yeah, time, time to do. It. Yeah, what else? I'm confused as to why I convince myself I can't do it. Like it's another task on the day. Convince myself I can't, I can't do this. That I'm not. I don't have time. I don't have, it. Yeah. To the there's, there's enough things I have to do every day. Why would I add an hour that's precious time. Yeah. Yeah. Why yeah. would I waste time on my faith? Right. That's ridiculous. It's good. Yeah. Confused about like the inconsistent response of sometimes feeling really close and sometimes feeling frigid. Yeah. Why do I sometimes feel close? Sometimes feel very distant. That's good. Anything else? Why, 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 are why are we praying if God knows it already? That's a good point. Anything else? Those are all good. Anybody else say anything? Disappointment. What's that? Disappointment. Disappointment. Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes yeah, it reminds me of when I was a kid. That like when the kid did the. Gum, gave you a piece of gum, and it was the empty gum wrapper trick, you know? Everybody's like, oh. You're like, God, you're like, you like reached out and said I could have a piece of gum, and I went to grab it from you, and it was like nothing there. Like, what's (laughs) That was Wrigley days back in the room. Not this new stuff, not this like pop out of a pocket thing. (laughs) Anything else? Having Having to wait. Yeah, wait for, are you even, <laughs> any response or any kind of sense of answer or clarity? Yeah, these are all good. One more? We're we done. Anybody else got one more? It's not how I talk to people. It's not how I talk to people. So it's like if I'm going to have a conversation with God, why is it so unfamiliar. Yeah, it's good. I think, how do we show up as our... Real self. How do we change? Maybe praying the way we've been taught to pray versus bringing bringing ourselves to God and maybe talking to Him like a person. How does that is that okay? Is that how do I do that? It's good. Um, These are all really good. I think I think prayer is really really hard. I think as a pastor, I struggle to want to find time to pray. I, I struggle to, um, to make time like everyone else. I think it's a really hard thing. And it, it can often feel like a one-sided conversation, right? Like I'm, I'm here, like when am I getting something back? Um, Henry Nowen said of this idea of this one-sided conversation, he said that if I ask for guidance to another person, I expect a response, like, like you were saying, Mike. But in prayer, none of those things are happening. And I begin to suspect that a dialogue with God begins being just really a monologue. Um, who am I even talking? Like I don't know if you ever thought this. Like, who am I talking to? Am I just talking to myself? Um, and most of us have a hard time praying alone. If I sit down with people and I ask them, how's your prayer life? Most times, 9 out of 10, will say, it's hard for me to pray alone. Like, it might be easier for me to pray in a setting like this, but it feels very confusing um when we pray alone like it's very hard it takes so much energy and we give up in two days like you hear a talk like this and you'll go pray for a couple days and then after that it's like I'm done like prayer can feel like the equivalent of eating celery it's like I know that it's pretty good for me you know like it's not bad it's, it's a vegetable i don't really want to do it maybe if it's in like thanksgiving stuffing you know <laughs> so you know it, it's the sense of like very much um, something we but at the same time we know we should pray and we know we need prayer philip yancey polled people about prayer when he wrote his book about prayer and like asked people is prayer important to you everybody was like prayer is important to me like paramount yes i remember always say is prayer important important to you most of you would be like, absolutely, prayer is important to me. Um, but when he dug deeper, like how often people pray, how long do they pray? Do they find it satisfying to pray? Like, is it actually enjoyable to pray? Most, of, most find it as a burden rather than a pleasure. They regard it as important, and yet they feel guilty about their failure to pray, um, which is important to bring up, I think it brings up about shame. A lot of us experience shame when it comes to prayer, shame that we don't hear from God. Like, why am I not not hearing anything? Something must be wrong with me. Um, Shame that we don't pray enough. Or we feel like a failure when we pray. We'd rather listen to a sermon on prayer. Like, when you leave here, you're like, hmm, maybe I'll go back and listen to that. Or I'll listen to another sermon on prayer rather than pray. Like, we'd, like we'd rather listen to something or someone talk about prayer and uh, we often kind of feel uh, like a, a shame about this. We had a prayer meeting, Monsieur Daywide prayer meeting, and this young woman sh- showed up, um, didn't go to our church. She asked me some questions afterwards asking how I learned to pray. I was like, oh, like, I don't know. I've been doing this. I've been a pastor since I was like 20 years old, like in, on staff at a church. I, I don't know. I've just been around it. You know, at first, this was my first stop. I didn't want to just say like, I don't know. <laughs> I just. But, you know, I began to talk to her and um, she She mentioned that she has a hard time, like, asking God for things, uh, struggling to believe God will accept her for for who she really is. Like, she's afraid to inconvenience God, like, um, to show up, but she asks very little of God, is what she was saying. So I I found it interesting that we kind of have this radical need for self-acceptance with prayer. And then I think about when we praise God, it's interesting to me, like, you're holy, you're worthy. I'm like, we're telling God things that he already knows. Like, he knows this about himself, Right? Um, so these are all problems, and a couple of things happen when we when our prayers aren't answered. A couple of categories: one is we wonder, does God really care about us? Does God really care about us? This is what I ache for. This is something I'm longing for and asking for. It's a good thing. Do you even care? Um, second thing that might happen is we doubt the power of prayer altogether. Does this even work? And then the third thing is we consider ourselves a failure. Like I mentioned already, we we heap shame on ourselves. Or we kind of lump them all together. And there is a lot of problems with prayer. But there's another problem with prayer. And is this. That we can't escape prayer. We, at the same time, it's our greatest need and greatest longing. I imagine most of us want this kind of connection with God. I imagine you're here because you want a connection with God. Right? Like Even if you don't believe in Jesus, you want a connection with God. I think those who want nothing to do with Jesus want this too. Something, this longing happens in our heart when we exhaust all of our resources. We long for prayer. Um, and I think a lot of times we think about prayer, we, we kind of do the whole like really old school way of thinking about this. But one day, when I'm ready, when I'm a little bit more spiritually mature, I'll want to pray more. Or when I grow a little bit more, I'll pray. Uh, we, we kind of have this sense of um, one day win attitude with prayer. Um, but when Jesus's disciples, they've only asked him to teach them to do one thing, and that was to pray. There's only one time in Scripture where they 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 said, "Jesus, teach us to fill in the blank," and it was to pray, not to do miracles, not to do teaching, not to cast out demons. And here's the crazy thing: they knew how to pray. They have been praying as Jewish people all of their lives, three prayers a day all of their childhood, and yet they come to Jesus and said, teach us to pray. So why would they do that? Why would they say, Jesus, teach us to pray if they know how to pray? Have you ever thought about that? Like, what was it about? They saw something in Jesus. There's something that attracted them to Jesus. And I don't think it was just like his miracles or his power. I think what they saw is they saw a depth and connectedness of Jesus's soul to God that they didn't have. They saw a gentleness, a compassion, a playful person. When they were around him, they were like, how are you so bold and courageous and not give a whatever anybody else thinks? And how are you at the same time so compassionate and playful and, and gentle? Like, who are you? I think they, they saw a depth of Jesus' soul and when you read the synoptic, synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, those are uh, what they call the synoptic Gospels because they all have similar stories. John's a little, you know, crazy. Um, he's a little out there. Like, we read John still. He's in the Bible. We like John. But he's, like, more, like, cosmic, like, I'm connecting the universe to Jesus. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, if you read them by themselves, they portray Jesus explicitly as a human being first and foremost. We don't really realize that if we just read those, we wouldn't really know that he's the son of God or the God-man. He uses the phrase son of man, son of God. But we wouldn't know that Jesus is the God-man by reading just those. You can find that when you read the New Testament back into them. But what you find is a human completely dependent on God through prayer. So all of Jesus' life flowed in this divine dance with God. Um, And so later in John, we get that Jesus was the God-man. But the reasons the synoptic gospels portray to us Jesus as a human is to show us that this flow, this divine dance with the triune God, and I'm using that language for prayer more strategically because we talk way too much for prayer. Like we, it's so much more of a mindset, I think, and a presence and a flow than a sit down and talk to God. So uh, more on that a little bit. Um, so they, they saw this, and I think that the reason they portrayed Jesus is to show us that that is possible for us too. That that life that Jesus lived of being his soul connected to God is, is possible for us. They want this gentleness, playfulness, fidelity, curiosity, courage and compassion, and the ability to get angry in righteous anger. This all came through this connection to god that we all long for every soul longs for this the greeks called it homesickness the the mystics called it a spark of the divine within vikings would call it wonderlust, like being able to go past the horizons that haven't been explored shakespeare would call it immortal longings augustine prayed you have made us for ourselves and our hearts are restless until our hearts rest in you and e. e. Cummings wrote a poem that said, For every mile the feet go, the heart go nine. So we long, we desire, we want rest and peace and contentment. And we have trivialized this longing and called it something else. We've called it a longing for good sex, a meaningful job, or a big house, or a drunken escape, an ease. And what we are really longing for is God's presence. We are longing for God's presence in every single one of those pursuits. And our country is, our our situation is, uh, our culture is toxic. Our culture is toxic. We have suicide rates going very high for young people. Depression, anxiety high for young people. And... There's a lot of ways to explain it. I think one of those reasons is kids are not allowed to express their emotions to, their, to parents. We, parents can't handle these difficult emotions. They, you know, you're, you're out of control. You need to go to timeout. So that kid has, you're angry. You need to go to timeout until you're no longer angry. So that kid has a couple choices. I can either be loved or I can be angry, but I can't be both. So what do I do with my anger? What do I do with these emotions? Where do I go? They can only be pressed down, which that's what depression is, is to be pressed down. But what the beautiful thing about prayer is, is we have a God who says, all of this stuff, I can take it. I want to hear how angry you are. I want you to talk to me the way you talk to a friend. I don't want you to come to me with some other approach. I don't want you to dress up anything coming to me. So, like my goal here for us is that we would have what C.S. Lewis would call as the real me talking to the real thou. The sense of the real authentic me talking to the real God. In our culture, we have um everything is at odds against that concept. Especially with social media. I mean, you think about what is social media? What is Facebook? It is picture of your face and what you do on Facebook you have friends and you like each other you're basically it's basically like human attachment theory online because we all want to be seen we all want to be loved but what is being seen and what is being loved is a picture of yourself an image that you are portraying not the real you No one's putting the real self out for everybody to see, to be loved and seen. So you are helping people find an attachment to your image, but you don't feel loved and you don't feel seen. And what God is saying with prayer is prayer is a place where you can be known, where you can be filled, uh, seen and loved for who you you really are for who your true self is. Um, so where do we find connection with God? Luke, Luke eighteen. These parables help us. Two main barriers to prayer: how we see ourselves as a main barrier. We've talked a lot about that—the shame—and then how we see God. The biggest problem with prayer is often for a lot of people is God. When people see Him, He's angry, He's disapproving of of themselves, of others. Jesus tells this parable of this widow and unjust judge, and we think God is like this judge, but God is nothing at all like this judge. But there's a sense of like this woman coming to him, kind of like parents I don 't know if you experienced this with children, but parents know what it's like to be worn down by their child, just worn down, asked over and over and over again, like, fine, like ruin your dinner, eat the dessert i don 't care, like just go." <laughs> there's like this sense of asking and asking, God is not worn down like that with us He's not worn down by your asking um, we saw last week Mac taught on the prodigal son, the wasteful God, this father running after his son who's left and ran so far from the father. He comes to his senses and he's like, I'm going to have to gravel. I'm going to have to ask to be a hired hand, to be a servant. So he drags his feet. The father runs after him, puts the robe on, on his filthy body, puts rings on him. This, I celebrate you. That's God's image of you right now is I celebrate you. I celebrate you and I love you no matter what. what is a covenantal love. And this, Jesus says, this is the picture of the father of God. And when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, pray like this, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He, that, the first lines of that prayer are the Kadosh, a Jewish prayer that talks about God's name being hallowed and God's kingdom coming to earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus takes that prayer that they knew all their life and removes the Almighty God of Above language and puts in Daddy on purpose. So you know that there's this intimate love of God who runs after you, celebrates you, loves no matter what. And then the second barrier is how we see ourselves. When we show up to pray, we don't think we are worthy, we don't think we're good enough. Our wrongdoings are stacked too high to approach God. So, what keeps us from prayer? Answer is when I'm more ready, really spiritual, then I'll pray. When I get my life together, I'll pray. That's, that's the feeling for a lot of people. And when we read this parable, you do get your life together and start doing the spiritual stuff. Let's say you're like, going to church, I'm praying, I'm reading my Bible, then I'm showing the spiritual activity. I've read my Bible five days in a row then the propensity is to show up like this Pharisee, to show up to God with your resume and your spiritual heroics. And when we do that, prayer breaks down because we think God owes us something. Do you know how long, Lord, I've been a virgin in Chicago? (laughs) You owe me, right? Like you owe me big. We think that way. People show up. Do you know how long I've served you in empty kids? Like, years of serving you and empty kids. Like, you owe me. That was a lot I went through, God, for you. Do you know how much money I've given to the church? Do you know what i do for you? We show up this, like this Pharisee and be like, oh, God, I give so much. I serve you. No wonder you love me. <laughs> Some of us can get this keep, creep in. And what I love about this parable is I think it's easy for us to look at this parable and be like, Pharisee, bad tax collector good you got to remember the context of their history jesus is trying to show how much we categorize people remember the pharisee was the one who would have been a candidate to be a pastor your pastor they would have known the bible they would have been trained they would have been seen as a godly person in society a tax collector would have been seen as a traitor who raised money to kill your loved ones for the roman government to oppress you and jesus is not just saying hey which one are you are you the pharisee or are you the tax collector that's the way of black and white thinking. That's the way of right, wrong thinking. I think Jesus is saying we all have a little bit of tax collector in us, and we all have a little bit of Pharisee in us. We're a mixture. We're not one or the other. We all have moments where we feel humble and see ourselves with true contrite hearts, and we all have moments where we feel like God owes us and that we're entitled. And we we all come to God with this. We we all have, have this can have this superiority attitude of the Pharisee. I thank God that I'm not fill in the blank. I thank God that I'm not a Republican. <sighs> right? Um, I was I was tweeting the tweeting. I was Facebook message something. I don't use it a lot, but I did say the other day. I'd rather spend a dollar fifty on a on a oat milk upcharge at a coffee shop than buy property in Nebraska. And all of my rural friends were a little upset by that. And all my Chicago friends loved it, right? There was a sense of like, we do this. We categorize ourselves. We set ourselves. I, I, I was setting myself apart, right? Like I was saying, hey, I'm, this is, I'm a Chicagoan. Like, you're not. I'm, better, I'm a little better. Or I like this better than, you know, it was, it was pretty um, polarizing. We all do these things in our minds, Is thinking through who's the other? How am I set? He he prayed away from everyone else. I thank God I'm not like all those other people. We all do this. We set ourselves apart to go like this is kind of who I am. This is my identity. And God's saying no. When you come to before God, it's the real you before the real thou. All of those things are stripped down. They're a facade. So, how do we pray? Um, We'll talk more next week. But I want you to embrace this week the, the mystery of prayer. I have time for just like a couple of things. Um, one is, I was thinking about this because I, I had some people over for the 4th of July and I smoked some ribs. And um, I don't have a smoker, but I made my, my grill a smoker. Um, and I would lift up the grill and I, the smoke would just be like, whoosh like I was just checking on it and just be like so much all the whole thing was enveloped with smoke they just like hit me and like oh just knock me back and I was thinking about just this picture of incense too with prayer there's like you light incense and I think like when smoke comes it's like you choke on it You're like this is good but I can't take this could take me out prayer is so good but it's like smoke like it can take you out <laughs> smoke impairs your vision it burns your eyes i can't see it messes up all your senses so that like all you have is faith like where's the grill again like you it it it, prayer feels something like this it where you can't see i can't get clarity this is what prayer should feel like that draws you into the mystery of faith that prayer is kind of like smoke there's a sense of where am I? Where are my senses? I'm disoriented. Um, but I have to have faith here in this moment and rely on other senses that I can't see and touch. And so uh, I want to encourage you to step into that mystery. And I mentioned earlier, I said a little something about words. But there's, there's a sense of prayer. When the printing press was exi- came about, society relied on logic and words for everything. it it just boomed the intellectual industry and academic way of thinking. But before that, I want you to think back to like before Jesus came, I want you to even think back to primitive society. What do you think happened to all those people? You think they were just like wasted societies? Do you think like God's like, yeah, they didn't know me. Before they could even put into words how to experience God and what God was like, do you think they encountered the divine? We have these stories of like Moses with the burning bush. That story is in there. Moses probably didn't write that story. Probably it was an oral tradition passed down that was later written. That story was in there because people would have resonated with that and been like, yeah, I've encountered God through crazy stuff like that. Like stuff like that. That's normal. There was ways of encountering God that didn't involve any words. It was through observing. It was through listening. We, you know, you, you, you even talk about yoga. Like, Christians, like, if I said this in front of most ch- churches, they'd be like, ah, stone to death. Yoga, all yoga means is practice. Like, what do you think a Catholic rosary is? It's like a practice. Like, when you're doing these, the, the, using your body, using your mind, using your sitting still, listening, observing, like, this is prayer, Broaden your definition of prayer. Broaden your definition of prayer. That when you prayer is not sitting in your prayer closet, talking a lot to God, prayer is a loving union. It's a loving union. We see that Jesus went away, right? Went away and prayed, came back. He went away for forty days. There is a sense of of praying as you go as well, putting putting knowing that. Uh, There's a sense, you know, it's one of those things that you just know it when you are doing it. And it's not, it doesn't have to have strong boundaries around it so much always. Now, I think it's important to have specific time to pray. But I also think it's important to just be aware of the presence everywhere you go. And sometimes that's going to feel like smoke. Smoke doesn't have boundaries. Smoke moves wherever it wants. And so may you think of that smoke metaphor in the mystery of prayer. May you see that you can experience God and be aware of his presence at any moment you want if you choose it. Let's pray. God, we come before you. Um, We So much of our Christian life and Christian practice is all about knowing you through words and ideas and concepts. God, may you teach us to know you a different way. May we, be, may we know you through darkness. May we know you through the cloud of unknowing. May we know you when things aren't making sense at all. God, I pray that you would help us to let it be the real us coming before the real you when we pray. We don't have to dress things up. And I pray that you, I pray this week, one of my prayers, if you take nothing from this, I pray that you would get angry with God in your prayer life. Speaking of, if if society has taught us that there's nowhere for our anger to go, if that's what we've been trained, I think maybe a great place to start is to give you permission to be very angry with God. Maybe you want to practice that. How do you show up with your anger to God? How do you bring that before Him? Maybe there's a longing unfulfilled. Maybe it's removing expectations of what prayer was supposed to be, but I pray today we all take a little closer step to the real God that accepts us, who celebrates us, who sings over us, has killed the fattened calf for us, is putting a ring on your finger, a signal of covenantal love, who's stopping you as you rehearse and defend why you haven't been near him for a long time right now. He's like, stop, just shut up. Like, I'm here, do not I don't need any of that. I just want you, I want oneness. And may oneness be the goal. Revelation may not even happen. We may not hear anything from God, but may we be one with you, God. May oneness and union with you be our heart's desire. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, continue to respond as we pray. We're gonna sing another song. Come take communion. I'll be available for prayer in the back. Um, Let's just spend time with God. Sit if you want, whatever you need to do, any, any kind of posture you want to do, you're welcome.